Welcome to episode 157 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, there's nothing wrong with taking the slow route or route. How do you say it? I say route. Route. Okay. Start preparing now and you'll be ready when everyone else is rushing and cramming last minute. On today's top five list, a common kitchen ingredient that will change the way you backpack. Then a review of a backpacking pant that stretches, breathes, and moves. And we'll share a hack that will keep you balanced. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. The busy summer season has ended. Our backpacking trips are maybe uh, settling down a little for the cold part of the year. We're, we're still going to get out a few times, but nothing like the summer. And as we get back to spending more time in the house, it means we also get back into projects that we've been working on. And we have some big projects that are coming up. Yeah, you've been gathering some ideas for a book, and uh, now that fall is here and winter is coming, we've put it into high gear. Uh, we started up a Facebook group to help us uh, finish up this book, and we're only about two weeks away from launching it right now, so coming up really fast. One thing that's challenging to a lot of backpackers is that they bring some trail food, the stuff that you snack on between breakfast and dinner, and by the end of a multi-day backpacking trip, that stuff starts to get really boring. There, there's a food fatigue that happens because you're just snacking on the same stuff day in and day out. And so that's the project we're working on right now. This book that we're putting out in a couple of weeks, uh, we're still finalizing the title. It'll probably be something like Trail Grazing. And it's all about foods that you can make at home that are those snacky foods that you can pull out of your pack really quickly while you're on the trail foods that require no preparation on the trail. It's all finger food that you just pull out of your pack and you eat it just during that whole time between breakfast and dinner while you're on the trail. The process of creating a cookbook is really fun. There's a lot of tinkering in the kitchen and making these micro batches of food. And then there's all the taste testing that you get to do with your family and friends and friends of family and family of friends. It's just everyone gets to try what I'm working on. And not every day has great victories. <laughs> there are some days that have some meh moments, you know, kind of, oh, that didn't turn out like I thought it would. But then there are some times where I'm like, oh yeah, I nailed it. I cannot wait to put this in the cookbook. And there have been more days like that than the other kind of day. And one of the things that I really love about this cookbook is, yeah, it's great for backpackers, but it's also great for day hikers, people who pack lunches for kids, people who like to just snack without making a full meal. So it's a really versatile cookbook. Of course, we're focusing this book on backpacking, stuff that will get you out on the trail faster with some healthier options, but really it's a super versatile cookbook. One of my goals for this cookbook was to create recipes that went together really quickly. Of course, there are some dehydrator recipes that do take several hours, but a lot of them take just a few minutes to throw together 
You can cut them up, package them up, and bring them out on the trail within minutes. It's really, it's really going to be that amazing, that fast. Another one of my goals with this cookbook was to throw a little bit more nutrition in there. One of the struggles that I've had as a backpacker is getting over the Snickers hurdle, you know, like, yeah, you can grab a Snickers and that can be your lunch. But is there something else out there that could provide just a little less sugar, a little more nutrition, kind of keep things balanced, maybe some fiber, maybe micronutrients? Yeah, there is. There are great options out there. So the trail grazing book is what we're working on as we go into fall and winter and and dream about getting outside, but sometimes get stuck inside. And, and so we're really excited to be working on that project, to have it coming just in a couple weeks so that you can have it. But all of us, as winter comes, we sort of go back inside and we spend a little less time outside. We don't have those amazing long daylight hours. Well, okay, our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere do, (laughs) and we're a little envious, but we'll get them back next summer. But in the meantime, we become more sedentary, and that affects our physical fitness, our ability to be ready for our next backpacking trip. But it definitely doesn't have to be that way. Winter can be a time where you start the adaptation process, where you put a little bit more effort And it definitely is a little more effort because you have to get over that mental hurdle of, you know, oh, it's dark, it's gray, it's raining, it's snowing, whatever those hurdles are. But maybe start with some stretching. Maybe do just some really easy, light body weight exercises. Maybe do what everyone tells you to do and go check in with your doctor and make sure that you are physically able to do some strenuous activity. And then each day, you'll increase in confidence, you'll decrease your risk of injury, and you'll build anticipation for that first day of spring or even one of those golden days of autumn where it is just perfect for getting outside. So you don't have to look forward with trepidation to when spring or summer comes and you're going to go on that first backpacking trip and think, oh man, I'm not going to be ready. I'm going to die on this trip. You know, my legs are going to be jello. My muscles are all going to be atrophied. It's going to be horrible. It doesn't have to be that way. You can make a commitment to really get yourself ready through the winter. Okay, so Josh, what are you going to do this winter? What's our family going to do to kind of, well, not just stay in shape, but to actually push ourselves a little bit physically so that when we go on our next trip, we're not all mushy and squishy. Right? I have to make that commitment myself as well, that I'm going to spend the time that came naturally in the summer. In the summer, I got out a lot, was very active, you know, walking and running a lot. So I've got to make that commitment that I'm going to continue to spend that sort of time, even though it's not as convenient. And that can get pretty tough. But the two of us, uh, we sat down to come up with some goals for the coming year. And we do this every fall. I don't know. We don't do it around New Year's. Maybe that's too trite. So we do it in the fall. These are goals that are real for us and for our family. And a few weeks ago, we sat down and came up with some goals for the coming year, a handful of goals. And one of them was fitness related for our family. This is kind of a multifaceted goal. We decided we wanted our family to experience daily personal fitness. We have a son who is really into running and cross country and track. And it's just 
part of his identity. So he wanted to foster that interest. And this same son is also really into nutrition and he's very achievement oriented. So we wanted to help him explore those interests through helping our family be committed to daily personal fitness. So he is going to be our family's personal fitness trainer for this year. That'll give him a chance to kind of do some career testing too, and maybe learn some things that can help us in our family's goal to be fit. And he had some ideas, like uh, one of them was that as a family, we would run a 5K and every month as a family, we had to get a faster time on the 5K than the month before. And then we thought, well, we can at least take the concept, that concept of continuous improvement, and maybe allow each member of the family to have a little bit of freedom in terms of how they apply it. So our son that's into cross country, yeah, a 5K, that's going to be a great way for him to apply that concept. And we have a son in middle school cross country. He runs 3Ks in middle school. So maybe that's good for him. And for us, Maybe it's running, but maybe it's jumping jacks, or maybe it's sit-ups or push-ups. Or incorporating more natural movement into our day. Yeah, something where we can make that uh, continual progress throughout the winter. You know, a few months ago, we watched a TED Talk. It was by O.G. Shaw. I'll link it in the show notes today. And he said one of the most important things that you can do to improve your physical fitness is to be consistent. So I guess winter is not the time to binge watch Netflix. Winter is the time to prepare. Winter is the time that you have that, that slow adaptation process. If you're looking forward to this summer and hoping to get out on some really great backpacking trips, now is the time to start and you have the time. For today's top five list, we have the top five reasons to bring baking soda on the trail. I think Baking soda is a must-have backpacking item, not just because it can leaven baked goods on the trail. <laughs> I suppose it can. It could, but it does so many other things. Today, we're just going to focus on five. And the number one thing is baking soda works as an antacid. Sometimes when we change our diet, our body reacts by triggering a volcanic reaction in our digestive system that leads to heartburn. Heartburn is the kind of thing that can keep you up all night. Baking soda works as an antacid because it's a base. So the acid and the base come together and neutralize each other. And the byproduct of baking soda and stomach acid coming together is the most satisfying burp of your entire life. <laughs> it's so great. And all you have to do is mix a teeny bit of baking soda, you know, maybe a fourth teaspoon in maybe a fourth cup of water and slurp it down and wait a little bit. You could even jiggle your stomach a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but it works. Uh, this is not medical advice, by the way. This is my own personal experience. The number two reason to bring baking soda on the trail is that it works as a bug bite paste. It's great for mosquito bites, but we've also used it in our family to treat bee stings or hornet stings. All you have to do is mix a small amount of baking soda and water together and then put it right on the bite, and then you can kind of brush it off after it dries up and flakes away. I really don't know the science behind that one, but I know that my kids say that it works. So whether it's placebo effect or something else, it, it, 
It's been working for them. (laughs) (laughs) It works. The number three reason to bring baking soda on the trail is that it is anti-stink. You can use baking soda as a personal deodorant. I know a lot of people don't like bringing scented deodorant on the trail, and that's super smart to leave it at home because you don't want to be, you know, wearing attractive smells on the trail. But on the other hand, you don't want to be smelling like a hippie. Sorry, (laughs) hippies, but it's just a weird smell. So you can use baking soda as a deodorant. So all you need to do is make a little paste out of baking soda and water and smush it up there in your armpits. And I don't know the science on this one, but it kills all the bacteria that try to tag along with you on your little wilderness adventure. Baking soda also will remove odors, which means that you could use it if you needed to do some laundry. Just kind of mix it in there and it'll help remove those funky odors that are in your polyester clothes. Just remember, if you're using baking soda for laundry, dump your gray water somewhere else. Don't dump it back in the river. The fourth reason to bring baking soda on a backpacking trip is that you can use it as a pot scrub. Baking soda is a mild abrasive. So if you put a little bit of baking soda in your Sierra cup or the pot that you cooked with, that can help to loosen up any food that's stuck on it. Yeah, we've talked about using dirt too, because dirt is a mild abrasive. But one of the cool things that we just talked about with baking soda is that it it neutralizes smells. So if you use it to scrub out your pot, it could neutralize some of those smells that attract animals. Yeah, and depending on the dirt that you use, it may be less than mild as an abrasive. <laughs> uh, some dirt is uh, pretty sharp stuff. Oh yeah, and I think dirt harbors some bacteria too, so baking soda is a little bit cleaner choice, I guess. The number five reason to bring baking soda on the trail is that you can use it as a toothpaste. All you need to do is wet your brush and dip it in the baking soda. And for those of you out there who are saying, oh wow, I didn't know I could brush my teeth with baking soda, we have some even more shocking news for you. Did you know that you don't even need anything to brush your teeth. So you could just brush your teeth with a toothbrush, like a dry toothbrush while backpacking, and that works too. But as long as you have the baking soda in your backpack, you might as well use it. So plain baking soda can also be used as just kind of a mouth rinse to neutralize any acid in your mouth caused by that lovely high sugar diet that a lot of us consume on the trail. Well, baking soda is great. (laughs) Nay, miraculous. It's not greasy. It's not messy. If it spills in your pack, you can just shake it out. It won't melt. You can find baking soda at any store. It's cheap. It's multi-purpose, which is why we love it. It has so many uses. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Roscoe Washakie Men's Pant. We discovered Roscoe through Garage Grown Gear, and they're a clothing company, very small, just starting out, and they have some really interesting technical clothing for hikers, backpackers, climbers, cyclists. They're trying to appeal to the outdoor adventurer. The Washakie Pant is a technical workhorse that's exceptionally durable. It doesn't have that thin fabric feel that a lot of hiking pants do. These pants are built for true adventuring. The Washakie Men's Pant is 95% nylon and 5% lycra. 
It's DWR treated, and it has the wicking properties that you expect from a hiking pant. So Roscoe describes these pants as having a waffle weave, which might kind of scare you off if you know what a waffle weave dishcloth is. These are nothing like a waffle weave dishcloth or towel. They're more like a micro waffle weave on one side, and I assume that's to help with the moisture evaporation and the feel inside the pant. Because when you look on the outside of the pant, it looks like a just smooth uh, nylon material. But if you look inside, it's got that kind of grid pattern that is a little bit more traditional waffle weave, but it's so tiny you have to look really close in order to notice what they're talking about. So it's a very unique fabric. And these pants have a really durable feel without being overly heavy. So they're going to be a little bit heavier than your summer hiking pants, but not as heavy as like a, a wool pant, much lighter than that. For utility, the Roscoe Washakie men's pant has doubled knees and a doubled seat. So both of those places where you tend to skid out and end up with holes. The pant comes with a belt, which has a really unique magnetic feature that I've never seen in pants before. You hook it together, and then it slides to the side and magnetizes. So it's a really secure belt. The belt is also enclosed. Uh, you know how most pants have belt loops? These pants instead fully enclose the belt all through the back side of the pants. I think that's pretty useful when you're backpacking because you can often get where, you know, you're putting your pack on and you're cinching down the hip belt on your pack and it's causing your pants to sort of buckle. And so then the belt on your pants gets in the way as it sort of, you know, the pants buckle under the belt and come out from under the belt and it just gets weird. So by having the belt fully enclosed through the entire back of the pants, I, I think they've made it so that it's a lot smoother fit with your backpack on. These pants have five pockets. There's the two classic ones in the front, then there's two that are on the back of the thigh, and then there's one on your right butt cheek. Nice. Cheek. On your right cheek. <laughs> Did you laugh because I said butt? <laughs> butt, butt cheek. cheek. <laughs> yeah. Right behind your kidney. <laughs> right? No, that's not where my kidneys are. Two in the are. front, one in the back, and two on the legs. That's how I'd put it. <laughs> All right. The material in these pants is a four-way stretch, but it's not as stretchy as you would imagine. It's a very short stretch. Another feature on these pants is that there's a reflective calf cinch so that you can roll your pant leg up and then kind of lock it into place or cinch it into place. And then there's a reflective strip on the cinch. Yeah, so let's say that again. Inside the pant legs, about six inches up from the bottom of the leg, is a reflective strip. Inside, if you roll up the legs, cuff them up like you're going to do a stream crossing, then you'll eventually get to where that reflective strip is exposed on the outside, and there's a cinch strap as well so that you can keep the cuffed leg up with the reflective strip showing. And this is a feature that probably won't be helpful for hikers and backpackers, but maybe of interest to... I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. It's not a cycling pant. Yeah. I, I mean, you could... Sure, you can ride a bicycle in it. Yeah, I am kind of curious what the reflective strip is for. And it's very roomy through the crotch, which I think would be a little odd for cycling as well. So uh, all I can figure is stream crossing. And if there's a bear with a flashlight out there, 
and that bear shines his flashlight at you, he will see your reflective strip as you're crossing the stream. That is utterly ridiculous. Okay. That is never going to happen. I'm thinking maybe climbing, maybe, but I don't know exactly why you would need a reflective strip while climbing. So Maybe a climber could tell us on that one. Probably. That could be. Yep. Well, as far as mass goes, these pants weigh about 14 ounces, and every size is going to be a little bit higher or lower than that. For maintenance, just wash and dry, or you can hang dry. For investment, the Roscoe Washakie men's pant is $94. And for trial, Josh? I loved the fabric, and it is uh, water repellent, so that was great. I used it out on uh, some rainy trips, and it did a great job. I do have a few things I'd like to change about these pants, though. Uh, one of the first things I noticed was as I was walking around, just inside the house even, the zipper pulls jingled. So I, I felt a little bit Santa Clausy, walking around the house with this slight jingle going on from all the zipper pulls. We thought it was festive. I liked it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I would prefer something a little quieter for those zipper pulls. Quieter? Like, do you have an example of pants that you have that have quiet zipper pulls? Yeah, my Columbia Royce Peak pants are a good example. I think there's a couple things different. One is on the Roscoe pants, the zippers are exposed, which makes for a cool look. They're uh, kind of a blue color. And on the women's pants, they were a... Uh, kind of a, a fuchsia color. Yeah, fuchsia color. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. But it means that that zipper pull is totally exposed, just kind of dangling there. And that's where you get the jingle. On my Columbia Royce Peak pants, all of the zippers are covered by fabric. And then the zipper pull has a little... Fob? Yeah, kind of a fob of uh, some nylon line attached to it. And so that helps it to not jingle around so much and to soften the jingle of the movement because there's some fabric on that zipper pull. I also, as we mentioned a minute ago, just could not figure out how I personally will ever use the built-in cuff and reflective material. I mean, I could see cuffing the pants to cross a river, so I could use the cuff. And I guess I could see the reflective material in certain situations that that might be handy. And I can never think of a situation where I would want to both have the pants cuffed and have the reflective material exposed, which, of course, is the only way to expose the reflective material. So that's why I came up with the bear with a flashlight scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so for me personally, I would rather do without the weight and the extra feel of that built-in cinch strap and reflective strap. It's not really annoying, but you can tell that it's there because it is against your leg. And the third thing that I would change is because I'm a left-hander, these pants only have one back pocket and it's on the right side. I only use the left side back pocket on my pants. It's incredibly awkward for me to put my wallet in and take my wallet out from my right back pocket. Well, I remember you wore these on a hike and after the hike, we were like going to get gas or something and you put your hand on your left back pocket and you were like, oh, I forgot my wallet. You're right. There was no left back pocket, which is where I would have put my wallet. So I reached into my front pocket and there was no wallet there. And I thought, oh no, that's the second spot I would have put my wallet. And then I remembered, oh, wait a minute, there's that pocket on the leg, and that's where I had put my wallet. 
But those leg pockets are a little interesting because the zipper is exactly on the side of the leg and then the pocket goes back from there. So the pocket is not truly centered on the side of the leg. The front edge of the pocket, which zips open, is centered on the side of the leg. And then the pocket goes back from there. And what got a little tricky for me was when I went to get in the car, because then my wallet was sort of under my leg instead of on the side of my leg. Now I will say, when I go backpacking, I leave the wallet home. <laughs> I just put my driver license, debit card, and a little bit of cash in a small plastic bag in the top of my pack. But for everyday use, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to switch handedness to <laughs> use these pants uh, comfortably. Well, I tried to test the Washakie women's pant, but had a hard time getting the magic fit. So they do have two different cuts for women. They have a straight cut and a curvy cut. And based on my measurements, I should have been a straight cut, but none of the straight cut pants fit the way that I was hoping they would fit, meaning they didn't fit. Way too tight. <laughs> way too tight. So I think I'm going to try the curvy cut because not only does that sound cooler, but <laughs> I think it will fit. So... um it's so hard when you're ordering online, too, because it's all kind of this numbers game. Is a 32 really a 32? Or is a 4 a 4? It's just kind of so tricky. So hopefully soon we'll be doing a review of the women's pant, or a, what do you call it, an addendum, <laughs> an appendix to this review. Um, but see if we can get a good fit. Yeah, so just be aware that if you're buying the women's pant, there are two variants of it. There's the straight cut and the curvy cut. And at least for Heather, the straight cut did not work. It was way too tight. So Heather, I know that you wish that women's clothing was sized more like men's clothing. It's my own personal soapbox. Please don't get me started. <laughs> okay. But where you could say there's an inseam of 32 inches and yes. you could get out a measuring tape and say it's 32 inches. Yes. None of this two, four, six, whatever, zero, that doesn't even make sense. Mm -mm. <laughs> Well, I had my own issues with the sizing of the Roscoe Washakie men's pants and had to order a second pair before we got it right. And it really confused me. Uh, I have a 32-inch inseam, and every pair of pants that I have is 32-inch inseam. So, of course, that's what we ordered. And these pants came, and they were way too long, like two inches too long. And I thought, how could this be possible? And I measured the inseam from the seam of the crotch down to the bottom of the pant leg, and it was 32 inches. And I measured the inseam on some of my other hiking pants, like the Columbia Royce Peak pants, 32 inches. The inseam matched exactly. And I thought, how can this be? Why are these pants two inches too long if they have exactly the same inseam measurement as my other hiking pants? So then I measured the outseam. The outseam is from the waist of the pants down to the bottom of the pant leg. And the outseam was two inches longer than my other hiking pants. So the difference in the Roscoe Washakie pants is that they've provided more fabric in the crotch area to uh, make it more movable, uh, more roomy, more, you know, you can stretch your legs out without uh, ripping your pants. But by adding more fabric in the crotch, they've essentially ended up altering what the inseam measurement should be, or at least what I'm used to. 
So just a word of warning for men who are ordering the men's pants. Uh, now, it may depend on the build of your body, but for me, uh, I had to go two inches shorter on the inseam than I do for any of my other pants. Yeah, so some interesting sizing stuff that, you know, might require some sending back and forth of pants or maybe sending a special email saying, this is my outseam, this is my inseam, this is my waist, these are my hips, and they can help you find the right fitting pants. And Roscoe was really quick. I think we uh, got the new pants that we ordered within just a few days uh, after we realized that the first pairs just weren't going to fit. Yeah, super helpful. So I guess overall experience, Josh, in these pants, could you move? Did you like the belt? Was the uh, was the fabric breathable enough? Yeah, I guess because of my nitpicks with the pants, they're not going to become my go-to pant for backpacking trips. But I thought the fabric was great. Uh, they certainly work, and they're certainly very durable, as well as water repellent. Uh, there are going to be certain trips where I know it's going to be really wet and muddy, and these are the pants that are going to go with me on those trips. And I'll put up with the jingly zippers, and of course my wallet will be left at home, and I won't keep too much in the side pockets where they'll get underneath my legs when I sit down, but they'll work well. And I think one of the interesting things about sharing this review, especially of a company that's so fresh, so new, is that the things that we're talking about today may be different a few months from now or next year. And so even though, you know, there are some little things that we want changed about this pant, these could be non-issues for someone listening to this podcast a few months from now. So we'll have the link to Roscoe in the show notes today, and you can check out the Washiki pant. They also have another pant up there and some shorts. So check out what they have. And it's always fun to kind of see the beginnings of a company. And hopefully we'll see great things coming out of Roscoe for outdoorists in the coming years. For today's backpack hack of the week, balancing hands. If you're feeling unstable on the trail, or you just want to keep your balance over an especially nerve-wracking section of the trail, just put your hands out for balance. This is not the time for a casual hands-in-the-pocket kind of hike. Put your hands straight out and it'll help you balance better. Another thing that will help you balance better is to keep your hands free. So put everything away, put your camera away, put your cell phone away. You may even want to put your trekking poles away if you brought trekking poles. I know a lot of people use them for balance, but one of the ways to improve your balance is to use your body for balance and to kind of build those skills. So putting your hands out is a natural way to keep your balance. We experimented with this a few weeks ago. We took a hike along a railroad track and we thought, hmm, I wonder if we can walk on the railroad, uh, the tracks themselves, the iron tracks. Because it was getting a little awkward to walk on the ties. <laughs> they were just the right space from each other that they were too close together, but not far enough apart or yeah, whatever. <laughs> too close, but also too far to skip every other one. Right. Yeah. So we thought, well, if we can get up on the rails, uh, maybe that'll be easier. And it takes a little while to really get into the rhythm of hiking straight down a rail. But putting your hands out can just help with that balancing act, just like a tightrope walker would be doing on their tightrope. In fact, tightrope walkers, they use those long poles. So what they're doing is they're getting even more mass, even further distributed 
to the sides of their body. So as their body is moving, it's moving against this mass that has a certain momentum to it that tries to stay where it is. So they can use that to help them balance. So I suppose you could still hold on to your trekking poles. They'd be a little bit of additional mass out at the end of your arms. Might help. You could get a large pole from the forest. <laughs> Just beware that you might not be able to make your way down the trail very easily. <laughs> but for a river crossing, something like that, then yeah, you could pick up some big long stick from next to the river and it would help with your balance. The more mass that it has and and the more that mass is, is uh, away from your body horizontally, the more balancing effect it's going to contribute. Now, conversely, the more mass that you have on you, in other words, your backpack, the more you're going to weaken your balance in some ways. I mean, that, that mass is good in the sense that it, it resists movement. Uh, but once it does move, it resists correction you're as well. You're going down. <laughs> yeah. So you might be feeling okay. And then by the time you start to tip over, it's too late. <laughs> uh, so the more mass you have on your back, the more aware you need to be of those balance issues. Stream crossings, great idea to take the pack off and throw it across to a buddy on the other side. Ferry your packs over that way so that you can just walk across just your body, you know, just you uh, getting across that tight spot. If you don't take the pack off, at least unbuckle it so that if you do fall, you can release yourself from your pack quickly. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom. This is a Nigerian proverb. Well, this Nigerian proverb says, the day on which one starts out is not the time to start one's preparations. So start preparing for your next backpacking trip now, even though it's cold and dark. And if you want to experiment with some new recipes to take on your next hike, then go to thefirst40miles.com slash book to pre-order your copy of Trail Grazing. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. say route because you say route route did i say that i said route route you said route, route first yeah i say route i do say route 66 yeah 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 um, but otherwise That's... i say route history has many ways of remembering come on the written word the story by the campfire the statue by the battlefield <laughs> the legacy of washiki washiki thank you said by a pbs guy Okay. Okay. You got it right. It looked Japanese to me. Oh. Washakie. Oh. <laughs> it's not. Nope. <laughs> it's Shoshone. Yeah.